Hi, and good morning. I'm William Carter, and this is the podcast, The Way, the Truth, and the Life. Since this is the first broadcast, and the podcast is called The Way, the Truth, and the Life, I guess it would be fitting to start with the scripture that is written in the New Testament, where the quote comes from. It's found in John, the 14th chapter, and it starts to the fir- at the first verse, to the fourth verse. I'm sorry, to the sixth verse. Let me correct myself. And it reads in the expanded Bible like this. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I would not tell you this if it were not true. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. After I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. At this point, Thomas interrupts Jesus in verse 5 and says to him, Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered and said it to him this way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The expanded Bible kind of explains it like this. The alternative to the way to look at it is, Jesus says, I am the one true way to have life. And Jesus goes on to say this, the only way to the Father is through me. If you really knew me, then you would know my Father too. But now you do know him and you have seen him. And so Philip interjects and says, well, show us a Father and that is all we need. And Jesus answered him and he said, I've been with you a long time now. Do you still not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So why do you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you don't come from me, but they come from my Father who lives in me and does his own work. Verse 11, he says, but... Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me. Or believe because of the miracles. I tell, you, I tell you the truth. Whoever believes in me will do the same things that I do. Those who believe will even do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And then I'm going to close with the last two verses in this paragraph. And and verse 13 says, And if you ask anything in my name, the parentheses in the expanded Bible says this, asking my, my name means acknowledging that Jesus is the mediator between God and human beings. The name represents the person. If you ask for anything in my name, I will do it for you so that the Father's glory will be shown through the Son. If you ask 
me for anything in my name, I will do it. So, the original thought, or in, the original thought of being the way and the truth and the life is not necessarily, it's not a religious thing. You know, this whole thing we, we do in our culture, it has nothing to do with that. The religion has taken a concept that Jesus taught and turned it into something that's ritualistic and it, and it's and it, and it and it cheapens God to the level of being corrupt like man and God is not corrupt man is corrupt but God is not corrupt God is pure and he's holy his name that we call him we we call him God because that's what he we he, this is how we see him he is God and so we see him as higher than everything and God. He's, he's, he's a creator of all things and all these things. But that is not his name. His name is not God. And so the, the Hebrews have a name for him that's so holy you can't pronounce it. But as best we can guess it is Yahweh or Yehovah. And so and the German version is Yehovah. Um, and so we, we were trying to pronounce that name, but that name itself, or we say Jehovah, um, but it's, the whole point is, is that that is a description of, 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 of him. The, that phrase itself is, is not necessarily a name. It is a description of, uh, of, of him and not necessarily his name. It literally means the one who exists or the existent one, he who exists. And that's all it means. It's a description. It's a description of him. And the name Jesus is uh, because we pronounce the J like a just sound. It's really Jesus or Jesus in Greek. And so that means that means the same as Joshua. And Joshua is Yehoshua, which means, which means Yahweh has saved, or he is uh, Yahweh is salvation. And those names are descriptions of what God has done, or is doing, or who he, or how we perceive him or view him, because there's no way we can create an image of God because we. we we look at human beings and we're created in his image and in his likeness. And we have a lot of his traits and attributes, but we are corrupt. And so we, we there's, some, there's, some, there's some things that are off about us. So we can't really comprehend who God is and who, who, and who, how he is and all the things about him because we can't really truly see him the way he is. But what Jesus is saying is, the way that I lived my life in front of you, the way I lived my life before you, the way I conducted myself, the way I handled people, places and things, the way you see me, the way you see me is that's the way I am. And that's the way God is. This is the way you stood. Everything that I do is exactly what God the father would do. I'm God, the son 
and God the Father lives in me. And God the Father wants me and him and the Holy Spirit. We want to live in you. And we want to make our home in you. And so this is not about religion. This is about a way, a way of living, a way of life. And we've been given an opportunity to live a better life than we can live on our own with better ideas and better thoughts and better dreams and better goals, better circumstances and better outcomes. If we're willing to let go of this world and and realize that there's a world beyond this, Jesus begins this whole dialogue by saying, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled by the times and don't be troubled by the, the things that are going on in the world around you. Believe in God and believe in me. Believe in my father and believe in me. Trust in me. The word believe or trust in the situation that Jesus is using in this in this uh, in the Greek in this dialogue is a word called pistis. And pistis means to trust without doubting. With zero doubt, zero doubt. Pistis, trust without doubting. Believe in God without doubting. And so I get emotional when I think about what God is offering us. He's offering us not just a a moral, clean, pure life. That's that's like, like church teaches us. He's offering us something way better than that. We can't even imagine how good it is. We can't even imagine how wonderful it is to be invited to become a part of the royal family. A royal family who rules not only this planet, but rules but also rules this universe and any other verse that's out there. Everything that's been created was was created by God. And God is saying, look here, I got, I got this is nothing. I've got greater things than this. And all I'm asking you to do is trust me. That's all God is asking us to do. He's just asking us to trust him. That's it. Just trust him. Stop thinking that it's that 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 anything in this world can harm you. If they can destroy this body, that's all they can destroy. They cannot destroy your soul. They cannot destroy your spirit. The part of you that is everlasting, the part of you that lives eternally will live forever. And we have an option to choose between two destinations in eternity. One in, in the kingdom of God with the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, and fellow believers like yourself who trust God or eternal separation from God. Cut off completely into a place where the Bible describes and Jesus described it himself as a place of deep darkness and flames and torment and regret and pain, and anguish, and hurt. And it's not because he doesn't love us that that, is our, that, that becomes your destination. It, become, it, it becomes your destination because you don't trust him. That's it. 
It's not about religion. Are there things that you that you have to give up? Yeah. There are things you have to give up. You have to give up everything that's killing you. I don't know any other way to put it. Everything that is destroying you, you have to give that up. You have to stop hurting yourself. And you have to stop hurting other people. And you have to learn to love yourself. Jesus said the two commandments are this. To love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your soul, all your heart, and all your strength. And the second one is just like it. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. You have to love your neighbor, but you got to love you too. And you can't love your neighbor if you don't love you. And you can't love you with the love you need to love yourself with because the word love in the Greek that Jesus used is the word agape, unconditional love for yourself. Love, not love without standards, not love without requirements, not love without without boundaries, but love without limits. Love without limits. Love that doesn't change because today you're having a bad day. Can you love yourself through your bad day and your bad experience? Can you love yourself past your bad decisions? Can you love yourself beyond your mistakes? Can you love yourself when you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see because you don't like what you've become? Can you love yourself enough to go deep inside that person that's inside of you and draw that person out and be that person? Be that person again. Stop being the person you became because that's not who you are. Some of us have been wounded deep to our soul. And most of us, it started in our childhood. It started when you were a little boy and a, or, and, or a little girl and, and someone hurt you so badly. You decided you're going to protect yourself. And you escaped into this little world where, where you feel you felt safe, but it's become your prison. And because you've been imprisoned, everyone who gets close to you becomes imprisoned too. We have managed to put people in little bitty boxes and in little bitty cages and said, this is how they all are. Our world is messed up. There's a global pandemic all over the world now. And we're just now coming out of that, out of that, that panic that hit the world a year ago. So you'll understand just how timely Jesus' words were then and how they're just right for today. Let's look at the time when Jesus said this. He was in Jerusalem, in Judea. It wasn't even Israel then. It was Judea. And they had the Romans there, an occupying army an army who had Roman 
soldiers and they were basically mercenaries who came in and controlled the, the, the people. They were like the American troops are when we send them over to Afghanistan or Iraq or like the Russians when they were in uh, some other foreign country. They were foreign soldiers in a foreign land violating violating moral laws of the people that lived in those lands. The Roman soldiers were evil. They were cruel. They could force you to walk a mile with them and carry all their gear for a mile. They could take whatever they wanted to out of your household. They could they could rape your women. They could do whatever they wanted to do. The Jews hated the Romans. Everybody hated the Roman soldiers. Nobody liked the Roman government. They didn't want to be under the Roman government, but they couldn't overthrow them because the Roman government was too powerful. They could never muster up an army strong enough to withstand them. And the Jews had had several revolts, several uprisings. They had had several uh, um, attacks on the Romans and that were quickly squashed by the Roman military. They sent in their troops and they, and they, and they killed everybody over and over again. And it had happened over and over again. By the time Jesus comes into Judea at this time, when he comes, he comes after several revolts and hundreds of people were killed. And the situation was so volatile that the Romans told the the Jewish leaders, if you don't control your people, we're going to come and take away your country. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Jewish government and the religious uh, the religious um, government at the time because the Jewish government was a religious government the Sanhedrin they, they, what they wanted is they wanted to keep control of the people to keep the Romans from coming in and taking away their country they, they, in one sense, they didn't want the Romans to come in and violate the people, kill all the people. They wanted to save the people from the Romans, but in another sense, they wanted to, they wanted to keep control of the people because they were making a lot of money. This is why Jesus didn't come to bring religion to the world. He didn't come to bring a religion named after him. He didn't come to bring church service as you know it. If if you read the New Testament, you see how the churches were structured then. It's nothing like the churches structured now. It's not even close. The reason that it's like this is because we have corrupted the gospel. We have corrupted the message and we've made it into something that's about people, places, and things. It's about culture. It's about morality and all that stuff. It, that's not what Jesus came to, came to the earth to bring to the earth. 
And that's why you don't see the miracles anymore. That's why you don't see the, 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 the people raised from the dead. That's why you don't see the lame walking and the deaf talk and the deaf hearing and those who couldn't talk talking. That's why you don't see cancer being driven out of being, being driven out. That's why you don't see people being healed. That's why you don't see the, uh, the, the ministry operating like it did in those days because they have corrupted it. And it's something else. It's amazing every time hey, God sends a, sends a revival to the earth, how we corrupt it, we organize it, and, we, and when everybody starts coming to see what's going on, the corrupt people jump in and they corrupt it, and then God is offended and he leaves. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but through me, he's letting it be known. that it's only through faith in him trust in him that we live a life the way he, he lived his life through giving our lives to that sacrifice that he made for us it's not just the cross as Easter is approaching it's not just the cross that we have to look at when we look at Jesus we look at the cross and we look at the resurrection and we look at all these beautiful paintings and we look at all these beautiful pictures and these images and we look at the, the passion of the Christ and all these other movies about Jesus. It's, they totally missed the point. This is what the point is. God wanted man to be reconciled to him so badly that he looked into his own household. He looked at the Godhead, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And God, the Son, said, I'll go. He gave up everything that he had in heaven temporarily to come to the earth temporarily to live the life that Adam should have lived a life of faith a life in total harmony with God the Father and a life of total submission to God the Father he came to offer himself as a living offering. We use the word sacrifice, but he gave himself as a living offering, a living example of a true walk of trust with God so that we could see that when you trust God, when you trust God, Nothing's impossible to you. Everything is subject to you. Everything obeys you. Even trees. What Jesus came to show us through the way he lived his life was that our life is not about our own selves. 
It is about others. Jesus cared about every human being. The one thing that impressed Jesus the most about people was the people that he encountered that had the right kind of trust and faith in God. And those often were people who were not Jewish. But when they saw the miracles, when they saw what Jesus was doing, they believed him. They didn't have the religious history that could cancel out what they saw. Religion does that. Religion cancels what you see and makes you question what you see because the religious people people have the audacity to tell you when something is God, when something isn't God. And they ha- then they and then they themselves aren't even living a life that you can find God in. You can't even identify that with God. You look at them and you wonder what the heck? Who do they think they're fooling? Well, in their minds they think they're fooling you. In this podcast, I'm going to talk a lot about about the reality of the word of God and how it's real and how it's it fits today because the climate in the world when Jesus was walking on the earth is the same. Politically, it's volatile. You've got wars and rumors of wars and you got conflict everywhere. People are killing each other everywhere. You have governments that are destroying human beings everywhere. You have corruption everywhere. The same things that were happening in Israel and Judea then are happening today. Not just in Israel, but not just in Northern Africa and not in Africa, not just in Asia, not just in Europe, not just in in Australia, but in the Americas, in North America and South America, everywhere where people live, there is conflict. And it's the same kind of conflict. And it's the conflict that comes from corruption. And all God is offering us is that if we choose to be kingdom members of the kingdom of God, because Jesus came and he came preaching one thing, repent. Repent means change your mind. It doesn't mean anything else, uh, anything else other than that. Change the way you think. Change the way you live. Change the way you see things and do things. Totally change your thought process. Change everything. Stop what you're doing. Stop right where you are and reverse it. Because the way you think is why you're here. The way you think is why you're having the problems you're having right now. The way you do things is why you are where you are. If you want a brand new life, you got to live it. You got to live a brand new life. If you want better results, then you you got to then you got to do better things. You can't put garbage in and get gold out. You got to put something in. You got to put gold in to get gold out. That's how it works.
I'm not going to try to give you a lot of metaphors, a lot of gobbledygook, a lot of stuff that's not going to benefit you. What I'm hoping to do by sharing these thoughts with you is do what I'm doing for myself. Is to give some somebody else a thought for the day. Then maybe if you think about some of the principles, if you try it, maybe it'll bless you like it blesses me. And that's really all about. I'm not trying to be famous. What it's really all about is about you being the best you. Because you're so perfect that God allowed his son to suffer a horrendous, horrible death just so that he can have a relationship with you. And he's willing to forgive you of all of your sins and transgressions and all your shortcomings. And he is willing, if you allow him to, to show you a better way to live. He's not going to force it on you. He offers it to you. You can take it freely. But God does want a relationship with you. And he wants it to start getting better today. I hope that I've been able to help you and bless you. Please remember to love each other. Because the person you're standing next to and speaking to was created in the image of God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I love you. Ain't nothing you can do about it. God bless you. Thank you for your time.